Our scripture this morning will come from the gospel according to John. John chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 12. As you're turning, I know that there are some of our schools that are actually on break now this coming week, and, and there will be others that are on break the week after Easter. And uh, as we do, I just you know, share with you that this is a great opportunity for you as a family to have some really great conversation around the table or in the car or, or just when you're together. Uh, for example, why do we do confirmation on Palm Sunday. Well, throughout the years, the early church would prepare during the season of Lent and leading up to Easter. That's when people who were coming to Christ or uh, being confirmed in their faith or growing in their faith would go through the trainings and the classes and, and the preparation time so that the next Sunday when they worship God, they will be worshiping on Easter Sunday as those who have professed their faith in Christ. So there's, there's a reason why we, we lead up to this season. But if you're going to be traveling some this week, I just encourage you to think about Thursday. Thursday will be a great opportunity for you just to pause a little bit and, and as a family to, to ask, you know what happens today, right? This is the day when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room and they celebrated the Passover. This is when they celebrated that, that Jesus, uh, that God rather had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And, and it was there in this upper room that Jesus then took bread and, and he blessed it and he broke it and he goes, this is my body which is given for you. It was the Lord's Supper. And this is the night when he, he took the cup and he blessed it and, and he gave it to the disciples and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood that's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know what happened today, right? And you can remind each other, this was the day when, when Jesus announced that one of his very own would be the one to betray him. And one of the ones closest to him would deny him, not once or twice, but three times. So if you're traveling on Thursday, you're not able to be at our service, it's still a great opportunity as a family to go, let's talk about what happened today. And then on Friday, Friday is the day of the cross. It was the day when Jesus was crucified. If you look at Mark's gospel, he tells us that it was about 9 o'clock in the morning when Jesus was nailed to the cross. So think about Friday, and as a family, if you're unable to be here, just, you know what happened today, right? This is the day when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it was at noon that God couldn't bear to look any longer, and so the sky turned black. And it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday when Jesus was pronounced dead. It's a great time if you're not able to be here, but as a family, to be able to talk about, you know, what happened today. One of the greatest compliments I received several years ago when I described what happened on Friday as I just did, I had some parents come up to me and go, you just need to know our son took you seriously. And, and I said, what do you mean? They said, well, he literally set his clock, and at 9 o'clock on Friday morning, came in and said, it's 9 o'clock, do you know what's happening right now? And, and share with them, this is when Jesus is being placed on the cross. His alarm went off again at noon, and he came back in and said, do, do you know what's happening right now? This is when the sky turned black. And at 3 o'clock, do you know what's happening now? 
This is when Jesus died and they're getting ready to take him down from the cross. I share that with you for this reason. It is so easy in our culture to just want to celebrate Easter Sunday. But you can't celebrate resurrection if we're denying what happened on Good Friday. We can't celebrate resurrection without the reality of the crucifixion. So if you're traveling, I just invite you and encourage you, or even if you're not, to spend some time as a family. You know what happened today. John chapter 12, beginning of verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard what had been, that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would not be my message. It would be yours, and not my own, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes when I come home late at night or, you know, I've been out working or in meetings and other things, I, I just can't go straight to bed. I've learned that if I try to go straight to bed, the wheels are going to start spinning. I'm going to start thinking about what I need to do, who I need to call, what I didn't get done, all those kind of things. And, and, and I just can't go to sleep. So I have a tendency to turn on the television and try to find something that requires minimal brain cells. You know, where you can just kind of relax a little bit and not really have to think about something. And, and typically, I'll doze off. As a matter of fact, one of the things that irritates my wife the most is that I'll lay down and I'll be flicking through trying to find something and go to sleep on the guide. <laughs> and then I will get, you are not going to sleep on the guide. Hand me that, you know, kind of thing. Well, the other night I was, I was kind of doing some, you know, clicking around trying to find something and came across this documentary about Prince Charles. Prince Charles had turned 70 last year and this was a documentary that was kind of put together about him. And, and of course I had seen stories of Prince Charles or a little bit or seen times like here he is at the wedding or, or various things. But, but to kind of get to hear a little bit about him, I mean, imagine you're a 70-year-old prince and still not king. 
But it was interesting to hear, you know, about some of his passions, his passions for the environment, his passions for, you know, creating farms that people can kind of come and, and, and see where, you know, how food is raised or some of the animals that might be more endangered or unique to be able for people to come and, and be able to see some of God's creation. And it was just kind of interesting to see. And I, I started thinking about, isn't it interesting? We don't really want a king, but we sure enjoy watching about other people's kings. And I started thinking about what would it be like to be king, and what if we had a king? And, and then thinking about John, the Gospel of John, for John to recognize, for us to recognize that Jesus is king, is so vitally important. John talks about kingship of Jesus more than any of the other four Gospels. It's interesting when you start paying attention how much John wants us to see that the one who came riding into Jerusalem on this day was the king. I mean, John's, John's story, all four Gospels tell us the story of Palm Sunday, but John's is the most abbreviated. It's the shortest, and yet, even though it's the shortest, he probably tells us more than any of the others. It's interesting. It's kind of like some of us are reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. It's a great book, and I shared it before, and many of you bought it, and then you're going, seriously, this is not the easiest thing to read. It's not, because in a paragraph, Bonhoeffer can tell you so much. John's just like that. In a paragraph, he tells you more than, than others might tell you in a page. For example, it's, it's John. It's John who tells us that the branches that they were waving were palm branches. The other three Gospels just said that they took leaves from the trees, branches from the trees, and, and began to wave them. John tells you that it's palm branches. There's a reason John wants you to know it's palm branches. He's telling us something. John's also the only one when the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It, it, it's John who says that they added the King of Israel. John tells you that. John wants you to know that they, they knew. I mean, there's some reason John wanted you to see that. He, he tells us. John makes a point. Just earlier, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. It, it hadn't been that long ago. You might remember the story. It's actually John chapter 11 that, that Jesus received word that from Mary and Martha that, that Lazarus was ill and then that Lazarus had died and, and Jesus delayed coming for four days. There was a reason he waited four days. It was believed in biblical times that, that when somebody died, the spirit hovered over the body for three days. And so by waiting till the fourth day, it was a way of saying, no, he was dead, spirit's gone. He, he's dead, 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 not kind of dead, he's dead. I mean, a miracle that might have occurred in the first day or two, somebody probably could have said, well, but you know, the, the spirit had not really left the body at that point. Waiting four days, not gone. It's gone. And so when Jesus arrives, Mary and Martha come out going, hey, if you'd have just been here earlier, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, but he'll rise again. And they go, yeah, 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 we know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus goes, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me never really dies. Do you believe this? And after uh, some conversation back and forth, they finally agree to roll away the stone. And Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave. 
And Lazarus comes out. Four-day-old dead. He was dead. But now he's alive. There is no doubt. He who had died is now alive. If you didn't think the crowds followed Jesus before, they're really following him now. I mean, earlier, Jesus had healed the sick. People started following. Jesus was teaching the kingdom of God. Good preacher. We'll go follow him. And Jesus did some amazing miracles. Remember when he fed the 5,000? That turned out the crowds. They followed him the next day. Man can feed you with five loaves, two fish. That's impressive. But a man that can raise the dead, four-day-old dead, now that's an act of God. And the crowds were around him. I'm telling you this for a reason. There were two crowds on this day of Palm Sunday. There was a crowd in Jerusalem. There was the crowd who had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It was that high holy day celebrating the, the, the escape out of Egypt. That crowd was there in Jerusalem. And, and now there's a crowd that's, that's outside in Bethany coming toward Jerusalem with Jesus. And when the crowd in Jerusalem heard that Jesus was coming toward them, John says they're the ones who grabbed palm branches and started coming out of Jerusalem. So picture that. Often we picture the crowds going into Jerusalem, but there was also a crowd coming out of Jerusalem waving palm branches while another crowd was coming toward Jerusalem with Jesus. You get two crowds coming together. And Bethany was, was only about two miles from Jerusalem. Two miles. That's less than from here to Waverly. So kind of picture that as, as Jesus is, is heading that way, the other crowds are, are heading back. And they're looking for this Jesus. Because they had heard what he had done and they're looking for a Messiah. Oh, if we could find the Messiah. That word Messiah or Christ means the anointed one of God. And who were anointed? Well, when you study the Old Testament, you'll see it's the king's. When God, for example, chose Saul to be king, he says to Samuel, go find Saul and do what? Anoint him. Anoint him king. The word Messiah means anointed. When David was announced king, Samuel, go find David. Anoint him as king of Israel. And they're looking for a Messiah now, the anointed one of God, God's king who can fix things. What's broken? Well, in the last 750 years of Israel's history, they had been in captivity, all but a hundred of them. It's about time for a little freedom. They're looking to be restored. We need a king. So John says the people grabbed palm branches. Not just any branch. Palm branches. Why? Well, when you read some of the other history... Some of the apocryphal books like First and Second Maccabees and others, you'll see that when a king of Israel had been out in battle and won and were returning victorious, the people would wave palm branches. Palm branches were like signs of Jewish nationalism. Palm branches were a way of celebrating our king is victorious and, and triumphant. Palm branches was like waving little Israeli flags even though the Roman government is occupying your land. 
John wants you to know they're palm branches because the people saw this guy coming in is our king. This is our king. And they shouted, Hosanna. And that word Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save us now. Hosanna was not a cheer. Sometimes when we, we, we hear the Palm Sunday story, we're going like, Hosanna! No, it was Hosanna! It was a prayer. It wasn't a, go Jesus! It was, come Lord Jesus! Do you see the difference? Hosanna was a prayer begging. It says, save us now. Do something. And do it now comes from Psalm 118, verses 25 to 26 that's being quoted. It says, Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And then John says, And they said, King of Israel. Only John. But John really wants you to know who this is coming into Jerusalem. King of Israel, you turn back in Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, the daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. And catch this. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And John quotes that because he wants us to get it. Do you understand that the people knew this is not just some ordinary guy riding on a donkey? This is the king. Kingship's important to John. It's, it's throughout. I mean, he tells us in chapter 1 that Jesus is king. Remember the story when Jesus called Philip? It's a great story. Don't read the Bible too fast. Enjoy the Bible. He, he, he calls Philip. And, and Philip then runs and finds Nathaniel. And, and he sees Nathaniel and he goes, Nathaniel, you've got to come. We found the Messiah. This is all John chapter 1. And, and, and so then he says, It's Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Nathaniel appears to be from Cana, which is not that far from Nazareth. And there was a little competition between Cana and Nazareth, kind of like, you know, are you from Waxhaw, Marvin, or Weddington? You know, I mean, it kind of had that little, and, and when he heard, you know, well, he's, he's from Nazareth, then Nathaniel kind of gives this little smart remark. He kind of, he goes, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, in all seriousness. And, and so then he's led to Jesus. And when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he goes, ah, here's an Israelite without deceit. And, and Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? You've never met me before. And Jesus said, actually, I saw you under the tree, heard what you said. And catch Nathanael's response. John 1, verse 49, Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. John wanted you to hear that in chapter 1. Who is this? You are the Son of God, and you are the King of Israel. That's who you are. Turn the chapters and we get to the story, as I mentioned a moment ago, of the feeding of the 5,000. And 
If you remember the story where all these people are following Jesus, it's late in the day. The disciples said, Jesus, isn't it time to send these people home? They've got to be hungry. And, and, and Jesus said, well, well, why don't we just take care of feeding them ourselves? And, and, and Philip looks over at Jesus and said, you've got to be kidding me, Lord. It would take six months' wages to feed a group of people like this. And, and, and Jesus said, but I think we can pull it off. And, and then Andrew, Andrew, you've got to catch the sarcasm in the Bible. Because Andrew comes up and goes, good news, found a little boy, five loaves, two fish. We're talking about thousands of people. I mean, it was as sarcastic as it can be. And Jesus goes, perfect. And Andrew goes, what? What is that among so many people, he said. But then Jesus takes it, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to the disciples, feeds them all. They're all fed. They're all filled. And the people go, that's our kind of king. In John chapter 6, verse 15, John says when Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again into a mountain by himself. Isn't that interesting? Jesus came as king, but when they try to make him king, he goes away. Why is that? Well, we learn the next day, we're told that Jesus is teaching again and the crowds come up and, and Jesus looks at him and he goes, now, are you following me today because you really believe in me as your king and want me to be your king? Are you following me because you want to be my disciples or are you following me because we are already hungry again? In other words, when you choose me to be your king, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a king who will simply provide whatever you want? Or are you looking for a king who can save your soul? You need to decide what kind of king it is you're looking for. Over the, this week, as we read the Passion Narrative... Pay attention to how often Jesus is referred to as the king. John chapter 18, verse 33, Pilate's going to look at Jesus in the eye and go, are you the king of the Jews? Is, are you the king? John 18, verse 39, when Pilate is trying his best to find some way to free Jesus because he doesn't get it. He sees that it's all political. It's all a power thing by the religious people. He sees that Jesus really hasn't done anything and he's beginning to believe this Jesus may just be from God. He says in John 18, 39, he goes, you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Doesn't call him Jesus. King of the Jews. And then when Jesus is arrested because the people do not want him released and he's bound up, did you catch what happened? In, in John 19, verse 3, they kept coming up to him, John says, and screaming, Hail, King of the Jews, making fun of him. And then they would hit him across the face. King of the Jews. And in John 19, verse 12, the Scripture said from, from that point on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're no friend of the emperor. For everyone who claims to be a king sets himself up against the emperor. John 19, verse 14, two verses later. Now it was the day of Passover, preparation for the Passover. It was about noon, and Pilate said to the Jews, 
here is your king. See how often John wants you to see Jesus as king? But we're not done yet. When Jesus is about to be crucified, Pilate has an inscription made that's to go on the top of the cross. Typically, when someone was being crucified, an inscription would be made and placed at the top of the cross to let you know and you walk by and see this man hanging there dying what he did. Sometimes it's a murderer. Sometimes it's a thief. Whatever the crime was so that it would help you to see you do what he did, you get what he got. But Pilate had an inscription made on the top of Jesus' cross that said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It's written in three different languages. And the chief priest then came up and came up to Pilate and goes, Hey! Don't put that up there. Don't put up there the king of the Jews, but rather put up there this man said he's the king of the Jews. Remember what Pilate said? Pilate said, I've written what I've written. It is what it is. Now, isn't that interesting? Pilate seemed to figure it out before the religious leaders did. This really is God's king that's on this cross. But on this day, we're reminded what kind of king Jesus is. He comes riding into town on a donkey. I never did like that as a kid. I grew up in horse country, not donkey country. He's come riding in on a donkey. Come on. Get a horse that's got a little umph to it. You know, get... Jesus come riding in on a donkey. Similar, but maybe a little bit bigger to the one that was, was in here just a while ago and been here on the church property all morning long. His name is Nemo. In case you've been trying to find Nemo, he was here. <laughs> Jesus came riding in on a donkey, though, for a reason. When a king came riding in on a donkey, clearly they were coming in peace. And Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 is quoted, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king is coming to you. And this is important. Triumphant and victorious is he, yet humble and riding on a donkey. Triumphant and victorious, yet humble and riding on a donkey. Because you need to know what kind of king you have here. This is not a king that you can take by force and make him be the kind of king you want him to be. Because if you try to take Jesus by force and make him be the king you want him to be, he has a tendency to withdraw from you. It's important that you hear that. When we try to take Jesus and make him be the kind of king we want him to be, he tends to withdraw from us. But our calling and our challenge is to decide whether or not we'll find the king that he is. We'll follow the king that he is. In other words, this king gives you a choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Whosoever would believe in him, whosoever would choose to follow this kind of king would have everlasting life. 
what kind of king is it that we are looking for and and are we willing to follow this kind of king you know what's interesting about this king this king that came riding into Jerusalem knowing that it was a suicide ride was not nearly as concerned about his throne as he was your cross. This king that came riding into Jerusalem was not near as concerned about his throne as he was our cross. This king's motivation is love. And this king loved enough to ride into town, die on our cross, so that our sins could be forgiven. And now the question is, will we follow this kind of king?